2: the podcast
4: do you remember thinking to yourself when you were a child when i grow up and become a parent i'm never going to treat my kids the way my parents treated me chances are you broke that promise chances are if your parents beat you you beat your children if your parents verbally abused you you yell at your kids it goes on and on and on the cycle very rarely breaking What we're now learning as adults, that all of those words that you hear as a kid and the way you are treated affects the way you then lead your life. And so for a lot of you who are still having problems in your lives, it all goes back to the words that you heard as a child. You probably know when you're treating your kids just the way you vowed you'd never treat them. The most difficult thing in life is breaking that cycle. Perhaps today we will give you the first few steps to beginning to breaking the cycle. You're going to meet a family Perhaps like your family or my family, that could not break the cycle. They have spent the last 20 years in a cycle of abuse. Marion Helton Harmon grew up in a violently abusive household, then married a man just like her father who was also violent. And these are her four children. They have lived a childhood much the same as her own. 40 year old Rick says he has been in and out of abusive relationships his whole life. He killed. His abusive father, when he was 18 years old, 37-year-old Ralph, is married with a child, says he grew up to be an alcoholic, just like his father. 35-year-old Kathy, married for the second time, admits it's very difficult to show any emotion to her own children, and she suffers a lot from depression. 27-year-old Karen is single, saying she can't find a successful relationship because she continually smothers her boyfriends until they leave her. Welcome the Heltons to the show. I'm uh, I'm really glad you all are doing this because this is like so many other people's families, but most people can't admit it. And more importantly, don't understand how the cycle works. You did. Yes.
5: Mm-hmm. I have watched my children for the last 20 years try to outgrow their childhood. Mm-hmm. Their childhood was very traumatic, and I realized I was a willing yet unwilling participant in this, and I recognized that after all these years that I basically acted out my mother's role. My mother stood by while we were being abused and wrung her hands. I didn't do quite that, but I stood by helplessly and watched my children be abused. So tell us about the abuse in your family. In my family as a child, my father was extremely abusive. However the really interesting part in my family is my father never abused me. Mm abused my brothers and my sister and I used to step between my father and whoever he was abusing and he would stop abusing them. So no one in my family liked me including my mother. Mm-hmm. They did not like you? No, because I didn't get abused. So after I graduated high school I married a young man and there was, my father was also an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. There was no alcoholism and no abuse in the beginning mm-hmm. and so when my husband, Became abusive, and turned to alcohol. I felt I recreated my father,
0: mm-hmm.
5: and then the scenes—the the abuse began. And How I. How long into the marriage before? Oh, the children were. I think, I can't really remember. Mm-hmm. There was when it so started. many instances Right. I think the boys were small, before we moved to California. Do you all remember? You were about eight when you first remember.
6: Yeah. Recall your father eight. being abusive. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. And do you it's remember
4: that circumstance, or do you just remember the feeling of?
6: I don't remember the feeling. I've been in therapy for years trying to get in contact with the feeling. I remember the instances, and I can talk about them, but I don't have the feeling mm-hmm. that I felt mm-hmm. at that time. But I can remember the different times I was beaten, and I can remember the anxiety that I felt in it constantly from day to day. I can feel that anxiety. I still have that anxiety. Mm-hmm. Do you I remember? Do you all remember being beaten?
4: Yes. Mhm. Do you remember Definitely. how old you were when it started? What, what's your first recollection of being afraid of your father?
7: Probably it was about six, because mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. major thing was that all you had to do was something that didn't fit in with the way that he felt you should be, like following him, like an example of him. Mm-hmm. And if you were any bit different, you found that out real easy, and that was usually by, you know, it, he majorly went after you with his feet because mm-hmm. or with me mostly because uh, he had uh, legs that were like biggest football player you could run into mm-hmm. and he would just literally kick you around mm-hmm. and his shoulders he was very big
5: and what did you say Mary and I didn't protect him that was uh, people ask me how could you stand by and allow your children to be abused and I have to ask myself these days how could I allow that but I did
4: and so when you would see your husband out of control beating the children yelling at the children in a in a in a manic rage what would you do
5: generally in a very nice way try to get him to stop it was always like i think part of mine was i grew up with this overwhelming thing in that generation don't let the neighbors know so we always tried to (coughs) quiet everything down. All of you nodding because mm-hmm. Quiet beating. So don't <laughs> quiet don't beating holler. The neighbors will hear, don't say anything, and plead with whoever it is to stop, but don't go any farther than that. And so I wasn't as effective as a mother as I wished I would have been. And I'm still living with that guilt and all that feeling. And what did the neighbors think of you then? Did the neighbors think you were a perfect little family? Yes. We would step out of our front door looking like we thought everybody else looked like mm-hmm. and then go back in the house and and really have this feeling that it's not okay and you kind of get sick at your stomach. I think all of us experience the anxiety, that. The anxiety,
6: the constant mm-hmm. tension. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a constant tension. It's, it's, an, it's not. You can't describe <laughs> it until you're older and you realize that why are you feeling this way all the time? It's because you're so accustomed to feeling that way. That you don't know how else to feel. Always you never knew to what was going to happen. Mm-hmm.
7: Always trying to hide, not believing in yourself.
6: And at the time that, that, that it's happening, do you w- realize
4: that that's what's making you feel that way?
7: I do now. Only since I cut off being an alcoholic, which has only been in the last year and a half, and it's something that I despised with my father because I created a lot of it also in the later years,
8: mm-hmm.
7: and yet seeing myself resembling something I despised and could not stand
5: it's been very emotional for me to watch my children go through this and feel if I had been a better mother this wouldn't have happened each of them turned to their own reality
4: and way of dealing with it And for Ralph it it, it was alcohol can you talk a little bit more about because that's the thrust of the show today, trying to break the cycle. And what you have to first realize is that it is a a, a cycle, Ralph, what it feels like when you see yourself mirrored in the image of your father, but you, you can't stop, can't help from being that way.
7: That's the way it was, like I say, a year and a half ago or so, mainly because when you pollute your brain and you have no control of yourself, and so basically, with seeing more of the light in the loved ones that I have, and am very fortunate to have, then otherwise I'm seeing myself, uh, could this possibly progress at a later time to where I am what I despise the most? Mm-hmm. Am I to become what I cannot stand?
4: Ralph, w- we were saying that recognizing that you have become what you despised is, is really the, the first step to trying to change it. We did a show on women who continue to to, to put themselves in bad relationships and I remember being in several bad relationships and when I recognized that I was fulfilling a pattern of other women in my family was the first realization that I've got to stop to change this but it's a horrible thing because as a kid you grow up and say i will never do this i will never let mm-hmm. p- a person treat me this way i will never do that and then you find yourself doing the same things that you swore you'd never you'd never do you all, you all know that feeling yeah, that's, oh, yes. yeah. You do
7: that's why i swore i'd never even touch uh, any kind of alcohol or that and i never touched anything till, for some reason i think what uh, basically came most of it is i would fit in with uh, friends and that that I never got to have. But you
4: swore you'd never drink alcohol because you I was 21
7: before I touched anything uh-huh. and I was always around other people that were drinking and that but uh-huh. I swore up and down no way because you know of how I despised what he was. Uh-huh. And it just came to be 21 and it was really crazy here I was starting what I despised the most and never really realizing that's just what I was doing.
4: How bad was it for you Rick?
9: It was pretty bad. I, I felt... Um, a lot of the blame for everything. I mean I was I felt blame for being born. I got a lot of blame for that. If it for was being m- born? It, yeah, it was my fault that uh all this happened. If, if I hadn't been born that he would have be off doing something else. <coughs> yeah. Were you ever
5: told that or was it yes. just something you
9: felt? You were yeah, told it told that many, that
5: many times. times. Many times. His feeling was that he wouldn't have gotten married if I hadn't gotten pregnant, and mm-hmm. I think that's an old story that a lot of people have heard. Mm-hmm. And yet we were engaged, and he bought a wedding ring with it. So mm-hmm. it was not valid. It was his. It was his way. I n- realize now, of making up for his own inadequacies. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, kids suffer from those remarks, and I think he suffered the most of all of my children. Do you believe that, Rick?
9: Only because I was the oldest, mm-hmm. I, I believe that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of blame for if if they made a mistake, they got hit. I got hit because I should know better.
8: Mm -hmm.
9: So I had a lot of responsibility for the rest of the kids. Mm -hmm.
1: Register today at thisisils.org.
9: What
4: does it feel like to be told that I wish you were never born? I mean, what does that do to your spirit, your personhood? Your mm-hmm.
9: It wasn't just being told that; it was that you never seemed to be able to do anything right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was a straight A student, I cheated. If I got B's and C's, I was destined for disaster. Mm-hmm. So there, it was a no-win situation, very negative. I mean, it was like you never did anything right. Mm-hmm. I never did anything right. Did
4: anybody? Mm.
9: <laughs> no. In the family? No, we didn't do anything. I did. Karen was the favorite. I was the, the favorite.
3: As they <laughs> call me now, the princess of the family. My father was very protective over me and anyone that tried to do anything to me was beaten, was punished for it. We've been a very
6: separate family. Even we, as we were being, even mm-hmm. when there were beatings, nobody ever came to me and said, i'm sorry or this happened to you because it was like you were alone you were left alone in whatever room you were beat in and you went about the next day you did what you had to do it was like commonplace so we never communicated our family yeah we never did so if you
4: were being beat and Rick, who's also experienced being beat, he wouldn't come to comfort you no, and say it's okay. I'd never see either. anyone. And you didn't either.
7: The biggest thing and on that would really be out of fear. A lot of guilt. Fear that if you had gotten involved with them or asking why you, you, would or, get you know, beat Dad you. did it, he's <laughs> going he to turn around away. and beat you also. So out of straight, strict fear, you're not going to associate with it. So, so doesn't that make everybody
4: grow up being very cold toward each yes, other?
6: Yeah. And negativity. That's how we grew up.
7: If there's ever any major incident in this and that, you can bet we'll always mm-hmm. be together. Mm-hmm. Always. There is a the love there. There is that there. We but the communication and, the, and right. the positive feelings of each other. Even Which is what a
4: family is. That's what That's what a family is supposed to, supposed
7: be. to be. This yeah. is what we never had. You can give hugs. It hasn't been until recently that we mm-hmm. can turn around and give hugs to each other and you can feel your whole soul and body meaning just what you're doing.
4: And not, not just perfunctory you're Thanksgiving gatherings. It's just because you do
7: that.
6: They don't know what is normal. You don't know what what is normal because you've never lived in a normal family. Mm-hmm. You've lived in a dysfunctional family.
4: But everybody right. pretends like your mother wanted right. to carry on the facade of the right. perfect family.
6: And we all had
3: two separate
6: personalities.
4: Really?
3: Basically. One for the at public? Home and one there was one the for the public and then there was one at home. And basically, that's how we grew up having two different, two separate people.
5: Was there always misery in the family, or were there, were there were there ever good times, or did you all? There were good times. There were good times, and I think that the most difficult. Part if we were of to look
4: in, I, just let me interrupt. You. Mm-hmm. If we were to look in with a with a with a uh, hidden camera in on your family, would we think, you know, if we were to look at your house in the morning, the kids getting off to school and coming home for school, would we think this was just a normal American family? Yes. Right.
5: Yes, and I think it went be beyond that. For me, the hardest part was in the and one of the kids said, I think it was Ralph, there were times when life really worked for all of us. We would go on picnics, my husband would be very kind, and I would tell myself, it's, it's, it's going to be okay, things are changing, he's not going to run around, I'm okay, and he really loves me. I, I devoted my life to making him happy instead of my kids. Had you any idea how you were impacting your children at the time? No. And that's Mm. why, if anyone Mm. could just realize it and get out of it, I do realize that Karen was the youngest, and she suffered the least. Rick was the oldest, and he suffered the most.
4: Don't you think one of the reasons why people don't realize it is, and this just occurred, this thought just occurred to me, is because we see children as separate from human beings or as as a whole Mm -hmm. person. Mm-hmm. And so the childhood is one thing, and then when they grow up, they're sort of like on their it's own. To be adults. And people don't re- recognize that it is the whole person mm-hmm. that you are affecting, mm-hmm. and that when you abuse a child, that carries over into the way that person, mm-hmm. that person who is a child at that time, feels about him or herself.
5: Absolutely, I know. But you really don't know it at the time. No, no, none of us know it at the time. We grow up role playing from our mother, who chances are got it from her mother, and. They don't have classes on parenting, how to, how mm-hmm. to teach you mm-hmm. to be a parent. They're just now starting to do that, and mm-hmm. Kathy's in one.
4: Mm-hmm. I'm
6: in
5: one. Yeah, I'm in a parenting group right now, because I,
6: I have problems with my children. Both of my children have low self-esteem, and I always thought that I never did any things my father did to me with my kids. I went just the opposite way, and I smothered them with too much attention and love because I didn't. I never abused them physically. But I think I yell a lot at my kids, and I probably say things that I shouldn't say—not mm-hmm. quite that bad—but I do it. Therefore, I have two teenage daughters, and I have one now that's in placement. She's on probation. She ran away from home for two years straight. Absolutely no, no self-esteem. But a very creative, beautiful child. Right. I don't know. I don't know where I went wrong. I thought I was doing just the opposite of what he did. So you us.
4: overcompensated. I
6: overcompensated, but it, it still happened. Mm-hmm. So it happened with my kids, so they have to go on with their kids now. And
4: how do you think, Rick, you were most affected? How the, the damage is, is still being done. But how, do you, how has the abuse that you suffered as a child impacted your adult life?
9: Uh, I don't know. Maybe the fear of failure, uh, insecurity, things like that. I almost got into the cycle myself. When I was about 10 years old, I came home and I got uh, it wasn't really a fight. And he asked me if I won or lost, and I told him I lost. So I got beat up for losing a fight. And what I didn't tell him was that it was the people were a couple years older, and that it was two against one. But consequently, don't lose again. And uh, I became a really good fighter. I mean, I went back and and I seen those two people again. They come up and they tried the same thing, and I fought them, and they never bothered me again. So I thought, well, this works. You know what I mean? You know that if you're not intimidated and if you fight back that uh to leave you alone but consequ- so the message is
4: violence works
9: yeah it was it was a message of violence worked. people didn't bother me if they knew i was you know ready to fight at a drop of a pin they left me alone mm-hmm. something happened to me though i was in a hospital i had a uh, osteomyelitis which is a bone deterioration and something really changed my life i was about 12 or 13 years old and uh I was in there and they were talking about cutting off my foot and this and that. And I was thinking about committing suicide. I, I mean, I, you know, I blame myself for everything and I thought, this is it. I can't handle this anymore. And they put me in a children's ward. I was miserable in there. I mean, kids were crying and, mm-hmm. and, and screaming and this and that. And I mean, I, I, I told this nurse, you know, can't you just keep these kids quiet? And, she, and uh, she was a big influence on my life because she said, instead of laying there feeling sorry for yourself, why don't you go around and talk to these kids? you know and tell them that hey everything's gonna be all right and so I started doing that and it was the first time in my life that I ever felt good about myself I was doing good instead of uh, being violent or whatever I was doing good and uh, and you
4: were rewarded for it or at least compensated in I terms fe- of feeling I,
9: good yeah I felt good about myself and I felt so good she brought me this book on uh, I don't know it was like Jack Armstrong the All-American Boy and uh, I tried to be like that Mm-hmm. I tried to be, you know, on the side of truth, justice, in the American way. Mm-hmm. And that was my escape. Mm-hmm. Was And after that, I, I really didn't feel like fighting anymore. Do you feel you're still suffering? Yes. I've thought about that just recently, because I've tried to put it all behind, say that was a long time ago, and I'm a different person, and, and all those things been buried. But I, I thought about it, and yes, yeah, some of them do carry over.
4: How do you all feel about your mother? because your mother stood by and watched you get kicked around Ralph and watched your father scream at you and throw food and watched all of this abuse for all those years so you know I ask you to be as honest as you can be with your mother sitting here what your feelings are about her for that
5: come on kids this is
3: your chance well my (laughs) abuse started after my father died Mm -hmm. and it wasn't in terms of violent abuse it was in terms of neglect my mother after my father died was free and she went hog wild out into the world <laughs> mm-hmm. and since I was so young I how didn't old have, were you? I was seven mm-hmm. I didn't have a mother figure and I developed a mother figure of my sister she was the one that was the youngest she would have been 15 and she basically became my mother and I hated my mother for many years and once I realized that I was becoming just like her I went into therapy becoming like her how I was becoming neurotic I don't mean it in a bad sense, over, you know, yeah, <laughs> overly that's neurotic, that's okay, but there were tendencies <laughs> that she had in my childhood, constant cleaning, constant, you yeah. know, fixing <coughs> of things. No, I nonsense. was just nervous. I was uh, nervous all the time, had a lot of anxiety. And once I got into therapy and realized that it wasn't so bad, uh-huh. you know, that she wasn't a bad person, that she did the best she could with what she had to go by
6: which and wasn't much from her family right mm-hmm. because she was uh, right. in an
4: abusive situation
3: once I look back on the history it was a lot easier for me to but, accept right but there were months almost a year that we didn't speak because mm-hmm. I did not want to speak with her I did not want to associate with her but, but I, I
5: encouraged t- you to go in yes therapy, she did knowing that she did. during that time she would reject me she would hate me she would go through all those but I felt since she was the youngest, if she got into therapy, she would perhaps uh, quit attracting or quit mm-hmm. getting into relationships, bad relationship. right. and, and I have changed since yes. then. I feel Were you much attracted
3: bad people all the time? Alcoholics, mm-hmm. people with substance abuse, you know, I was never beaten in any of my relationships, and I took that as being good. Mm-hmm. See, I wasn't violently beaten, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it was okay. But I was very comfortable with that. It goes crisis. back to what Kathy
4: says that mm-hmm. because when you're in a in a in a situation where your fam- what was the word you use is dysfunctional. dysfunctional, you're in a dysfunctional family, you don't even know what normal is. Exactly. Yeah. And because somebody's not beating you over the head, you think this they're nice. normal, right? Normal. right. Yeah. You know,
3: even though all of my relationships were basically crisis relationships, mm-hmm. and I was very comfortable in that. Mm-hmm. And when because I because you're not, used to being in a crisis, right, and yeah. when I didn't have a crisis, I became depressed very depressed nothing was happening boring exactly boring and now i'm very comfortable with
5: that feeling it's a nice feeling and my concern was in doing this and we discussed this last night that after this is over that they're all going to go home and they're all going to be depressed and i'm going to feel guilty and i asked myself where does the guilt ever end how long how long is a mother responsible for i children's don't think you are going to
4: feel guilty after doing no. this i really don't yeah i think it's for a lot of people coming on the show, and it's easier, I mean, you, you discover things on the show yeah. and say things that you cannot say in your own dining room mm-hmm. to each other, and it's very cathartic. I think you will all be a lot better, and I'm not mm-hmm. just saying it because I'm you know, glad to have you here and do a show and get ratings for it, but I really think you all will be a lot better and a lot of other people will begin to see, you, see themselves. What do you think, Rick?
9: I think it's good because I hated my mother also because I hated her because she was weak. Uh-huh. and that I felt that I had a lot more responsibility. I was already kind of responsible for the mm-hmm. kids, and it seemed like whenever there was a crisis, it'd be, Rick, what are we gonna do about it? You know what I mean? Rick, he's gonna, he's gonna kill us, he's gonna kill me. And consequently, I would get up there and, and take a lot of the abuse, and I felt I was taking that for her. So um, I resented it for that. I thought I was too young to... Uh, have to have all that burden you were Yeah, ch- I, I thought I was too young for and that. And the truth I mean. is you were too
5: young yes yeah
9: and i'm also drawn to people that are in crisis
5: but I you've just too. discovered that within we, the last month we or all two yes I all two are. of
9: us yeah you know, if they're in trouble i i you know I, I know what it is to be alone so i i try to fill that void for
0: them
1: Register today at thisisils.org.
4: You say that your mom was always looking to you for help. I felt that way. Yes. And it was true. She was. And it was true. Mm-hmm. Yes. You remember seeing your mother abused, Kathy?
6: Um, yeah, there was one instance that stands out in my mind. My father held a knife to my mother's throat, and he told me to go in and fix dinner. Well, I was eight years old. I had never fixed dinner in my life, mm-hmm. and I was afraid if I didn't do it right, he would kill her. So um, mm. I did fix dinner that night, it was very difficult but I made what I thought was dinner and she was not killed. Do you remember killed.
5: the bottom drawer of the refrigerator? The whole, the when I
6: opened mm. the refrigerator both the drawers fell out and I thought for sure she was dead and we were dead.
5: Mm.
6: But everything turned out okay that night he
7: and uh, we street.
6: ate and yeah. do you remember that, were you home?
7: No I'm just wondering sometimes he would do that, he would come home and rage like that and uh, he always wanted to have, what was that? Uh, Wilted lettuce. Wilted lettuce. Yeah. That was there, and you had to have your bacon with it and all that.
5: And there were these nights when I wanted to would take fall a asleep. pan and beat him over the head.
9: He would but see there was Why this, didn't you?
5: There was this fear that we lived under, and I think many people do, that he would take the pan away from me okay, and beat me over the head, and then my children would be all alone. Mm-hmm. What is the most
4: abusive situation you remember, Ralph, seeing your mother placed under?
7: When he had a party. He had, uh, we had made a bar in the garage, turned it into a barbecue, everything. And he had a big party, and it was for people at uh, a refinery. And that's where he was majorly working. Everybody was there, and he came out with straight moonshine whiskey, I guess you want to call it. It's it's straight alcohol. And he mixed that in with the punches and that, and it came to be to where my mom held off because she cannot handle uh, alcohol whatsoever <laughs> and uh, I came around to it? midnight and uh, she had some of the uh, punch. punch and uh, she had gone outside because uh, with something that strong also that you know it tear your stomach up and she was outside and uh, kind of regurgitating throwing up and a friend of his came out and was holding her up uh-huh. and holding her head and my dad came out and thought that they were having an affair. And I would say well, that While she's grown up. Right, <laughs>
4: so he right. Well, well,
7: see, I would say yeah, that... How
4: romantic. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh.
7: He was a good one. Uh, I would say that a lot of that he had in mind also because that's what always he was doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was more or less labeling that as going on. But she was and beaten
5: very badly.
7: I think I had a couple broken toes and then threw me into a dresser in but and But that I wasn't it. until after what he had done was we had all the raspberry bushes and this and that oh, and against yeah. that wall, it's a cement yeah. wall and I that. Know, I he understand. slammed you all through that because you were torn up and you know just scraped all badly. Before he took you in the house, he got you in the house quick because he didn't want anybody to see what he had just done outside. Mm -hmm. and when he had taken you in the rooms he turned around figured you want to play around this and that he stomps on your feet Mm -hmm. there goes three toes here goes your face here goes your arm
5: well I wound up in the hospital three different New Year's it's like the girls say we lived in a constant crisis situation and so you you just he was always waiting for the other shoe to fall and it was almost a relief when things were going good it was almost a relief when the other shoe fell because then it was like now you could get on to the next one?
7: Yeah, you had a little more free time coming up. You survived up that one. <laughs> yeah.
9: no.
4: You survived that
5: one. No so broken on. bones. The night you killed your father,
4: what happened?
9: I think it was in the afternoon. And uh, it's really tough for me to say, because I came home from working. And this was already in progress. It was a night, the night before that was the most vivid memory. When uh, I don't know exactly. It, their father was
5: Put a shotgun in Kathy's stomach and was going to kill her because there was some money missing I decided for once in my life to call the police and so I sent Ralph after the police the police came and he acted like nothing was wrong normal guy and Mm -hmm. the police allowed him to leave in his camper with his guns Uh so he goes to nearest phone booth and he calls me and says I have a 30 six aimed at you. Consider yourself dead because you called the police. So, the very thing I had feared most was finally coming. So, that night, so his brothers and sisters wouldn't be killed, Rick loaded a gun. Now, I'm sorry.
9: No, it's okay. Because I don't really remember that day. It was so quick that I only remember a couple things about the whole day, to tell you the truth. I don't know how I blocked it out. I don't know whether it was, you know, mm-hmm. just. Uh, it was a, sh- well, a shock It was thing. dinner I time remember him coming out dinner me. time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. Kathy
5: was in the kitchen it fixing was my mother's dinner birthday, birthday and we were fixing dinner for her and life went on as though I didn't even tell my parents. however, my husband came home that afternoon and he and my father were sitting in the garage drinking beer. My husband said to my father, I'm going to cut up in little pieces and give her back to you so Rick had loaded a gun the night before to protect his brother's sisters and myself so after the police left the gun jammed we couldn't unload it so i told him put it in a closet you know just put it away the next night as i come home and i walk to the garage door into the house and he grabs me on the shoulder throws me across the room and i land on karen who was meekly coloring unaware of everything and rick had, had positioned himself across from the open garage door with this jammed gun in hand to scare him. To scare him. And as my husband came through... Do you remember this, Rick?
9: No. Okay. I, I only remember him coming at me. I remember looking in his eyes. And I remember how tight the handcuffs were. And the rest I I'm blocked out. I have to go by what somebody else says. Mm-hmm. And Honestly. I
5: kind of recreated this because I'm trying to write this story. And so I've, I've gone through this in the last year and a half many times until I finally have lived it enough times and with the kid's help. That Why are you I trying to write it? it? Why do you want to write it? Same reason I wrote a letter to come here, that I really feel if anybody can understand, you know, get the hell out of abusive situations. And more than that is I think for the last 20 years that Rick has felt that he did something wrong and he really didn't do anything wrong. He stood there gun in hand and his father lunged at him and I didn't know this until I read the autopsy report this year. The position of entry of the bullet, he didn't shoot him straight on. It entered his heart and went down through his body, which meant he grabbed it. And so and we lived without reading this under this, whatever you want to call it, all these years. And nobody ever talked about nobody it in the so family. And I avoided it himself. most of all because
6: So he actually killed hurt.
5: himself. He killed himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even know that. And Rick didn't know it until a few months ago. So I thought, this is really helping us to talk about it. And it's not So Rick, easy. when you discover
4: God that is something that is something. When you discover a few months ago that you you really didn't pull the trigger?
9: I I had to go by what people said like I said I Cuz all uh, these years you I, believed I, I felt you did hard it right there.
4: All these years you believed you did it?
9: Yeah, I, I believed I did it. I knew he was coming at me. You know, they t- I was supposedly against a wall, but I believe I pulled the trigger. Yes.
4: Up until you read the autopsy?
9: I've never read the autopsy
4: meet James Gabarino who's a president of the Erickson Institute for Advanced Study of Child Development and author of several books on child abuse including The Psychologically Battered Child and Understanding Abusive Families. His book is The Future As If It Really Mattered. We're glad to have you here to share with us how do you break the cycle?
8: I think you have to recognize that what's normal about this family situation is that families develop momentum. It can be positive momentum or negative momentum. They develop a view of the world that reflects what they see. And unless that view is challenged by other people, by other influences, they simply bring that map of the world to their own families. And if they were taught to be a victim, they look for that role in life to be a victim. If they're taught to hurt people, that's what comes naturally. The way that people break that cycle is by finding some kinds of relationships either in the family or outside the family to really process their experience. When you heard today people are talking about things they never talked about before they're learning things about each other they never knew before that's the fundamental problem here. how
4: do you begin that process though how
5: did you all do it it's taken twenty years mary and what what happened therapy i was interviewed by a newspaper and she said you'd ought to write a book and i said i don't want to do this it's i just don't want to and she convinced me that if i did this it would help my family and it might help others and so that's and it has helped, because once we put it out here in writing about it, we were no longer accusing each other and really weren't questioning each other enough. But every family
4: isn't going to write a book about it, or every, every mother isn't going to sit down and try to catalog for herself Then go to the therapy. Then, then therapy. Talk. Yes. yes. Well,
8: therapy or finding other people <laughs> to tell your story to it. You look for a self-help group, a mutual help group, adult children of alcoholics, there are parents anonymous groups you can find them in almost any community nowadays you can go through your church group there are people out there now which is different from what was true twenty years ago there are lots of people out there willing to talk with you Mm. and that talking is the first step to making that that cycle stop
4: do you all think you will ever reach a point where you've healed all of the hurt?
9: Rick?
8: No. No. No.
6: No, I don't you know people
8: people who go through this in a way the best outcome is that they end up with a kind of emotional limp in the sense mm-hmm. that they yeah. can make it through life, but they're not doing everything. If you don't go through this process, you end up as an emotional cripple, mm-hmm. and that's a lot worse.
4: Well, I cannot thank you enough, this entire family, for coming on and sharing your story. We you know, throw the word courage around a lot, but it is a very courageous thing to do to expose yourself this way on te- national television, and I know a lot of people's lives will be helped as a result of it, and I thank you. Thank you for doing it, I really do appreciate it.
2: I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, The Podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah show, The Podcast. And I thank you for listening.